In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the fourth Sunday of the Coptic month of Hatur, and we read today the story of the rich young ruler, uh, which is a, one of the more famous stories that we read in the Gospel, story of a man who came to the Lord Christ asking him how is it that he could inherit eternal life, and in the end the Lord told him, uh, that he should sell all that he has and give it to the poor and come and follow him. And the man was sad because he had great attachment to his wealth. He couldn't leave everything behind. He walked away and he couldn't continue or do what it is that uh, the Lord had asked him to do. Uh, contrasting with this, um, after this encounter, the uh, disciples speaking to the Lord about what happened. And they tell him, see, we have left all and followed you. So this story is like uh, a contrast between the, the idea that the rich young ruler, he, he was called by the Lord to give up all that he had and he could not, and the apostles who actually had given up all that they had and were following the Lord. And although we tend to often use the example of the rich young ruler uh, as an example of someone who made the wrong choice, someone who uh, wasn't able to follow through or do the right thing in the end, there's actually a lot of things that we can learn from him there is positive that he did. You know, if we, if we really look at ourselves, if the Lord were to come to us and he asks us to sell all that we have and to just live a life following him, we might question whether we are able to do that ourselves. Um, so it's very easy for us to be quick to judge this man for the failure of not being able to follow the Lord, but we ask ourselves every day, are we really following the Lord as we should? Instead, we can look at some of the positive things um, in the life of this man, that even though he was not perfect, but he also wasn't without good. Um, the first thing we can kind of learn from him is that he sought the truth about eternal life. Why is it that he even went to seek out the Lord? He went to seek him out because he cared about eternal life. It says, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? This was the first question that the man asked the Lord. And this wasn't just an email that he sent him or a text message or a phone call. He actually left wherever that he was, found where the, where the Lord was, ran to him and spoke to him just to ask him this question. It's very clear that this man really cared about eternal life. And he cared about it more than he cared about any other thing. The fact that he would be willing to go and to ask this question. God offers us all the time opportunities for us to inherit eternal life. Opportunities for us to draw closer to him. Opportunities for us to grow in our spiritual life. And maybe these opportunities, we very casually dismiss them. You know, he gives us liturgies in the church. He gives us thousands and tens of thousands of sermons online from all kinds of places uh, that we can listen to, gives us all the sacraments, gives us the Bible to read, he gives us the opportunity to pray to him at any time, and he's giving us all these things. You know, what, what this man is asking for, how am I inherit eternal life? The Lord has freely given us all the means of eternal life, and they're available to us. The Lord is not asking us to climb a mountain in Tibet, He's not asking us to go and attain something that's very difficult for most people to attain, where only the very top 0.1% of people can attain it. He's telling us to do something that is very easy to be done, very, very easy and available for us to be done. So even though this man, he didn't know the answer to this question, but we know, we know the answer. We know the answer to this question. He sought out eternal life, and also we should be seeking eternal life. And the second point about him, that we can see as a positive aspect is that he was very reverent to the Lord. It says that when he came to the Lord, he knelt before him. 
he bowed himself down before him. The man was very humble. He subjected himself to the Lord. He identified that he was not fit to even stand in the presence of God, right? Um, he, 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 he walked there, he went there willingly, and he, he, he subjected himself, he subjected his will, he believed what the Lord was to say was true, and he knelt down before him. Oftentimes, um, we try to make God to fit in our lives uh, without this uh, idea of humility. Like, humility means that even though my path, my direction, my ideas, my thoughts, my philosophies um, is in one direction, but if I discover that the Lord is telling me something contrary to what I believe or what I want, that I'm willing to change my belief, to change my will, to change my direction, to, be, to subject myself to the Lord. If I have a job, for instance, that is very lucrative job, and I make a lot of money, it's a very good job, but then I realize that maybe there's something about this job that is not pleasing to the Lord, and I feel like uh, I can't continue in this job and please God at the same time then maybe God is calling me to leave this place, right? And in order for me to subject myself, I kneel down before the Lord. Kneeling down is not simply just a physical prostration. Kneeling down means that I identify that God is greater than me. I identify that I am to, to humble myself before Him, I am to subject my will before Him. And this is actually what this man did, is he subjected himself before the Lord. Some people might ask, how is it that I can continue to live the life that I want to live and yet fit God into my life? You know, maybe, maybe we ask this question or maybe this is what we try to do or some people might try to do. Is I choose to live my life a certain way and then I want to take God because I believe that it's important to believe in God and I try to fit God into my life. This is not what this man was doing. This is not what he was seeking the Lord for. And this is not what Christ is calling us for. Christ is calling us to have God at the center of our life. And yes, there are other things in our life as well. It is not that we are going to live like monks and nuns and that's it. There's other things in our life. There is work and there is family and there is friends and there is entertainment and there is you know, all other kinds of things. But the, the question that we ask is, are those the core? Is that really my goal? And that God is just one of those things orbiting around what I really want? Or is God the core and everything else orbits around Him? And everything else is based on Him? What is really my focus? Here we see this man, he, he came, he knelt before the Lord, he subjected himself to Him and he was humble before Him. Another thing we can learn from this man is that he knew that the Lord was the truth and the source of all teaching. He even comes to him and he says, what good teacher. He understands the truth comes from the Lord. The Lord was not just another teacher or another philosopher. He was the one with all the answers and he wanted to hear the answer from him. He would accept that whatever the Lord was to say was the truth. Now in the end, we know that the man was not able to do what the Lord asked. But he accepted that whatever the, the Lord said was going to be the truth. Okay? He wanted to hear the truth of his mouth, out of his mouth. When we open the Bible and we read, sometimes we read things that contradict what, what the world says. Very often, actually. The world operates a certain way. Society operates a certain way. When we are in social media, we, get a, we hear and we see a certain way of living, a certain way of talking, a certain way of being. But when you open the Bible, you don't get the same sense. You, know, you, you get there's a different way, there's a different path, there's a different way of talking, there's a different way of thinking, there's a different way of living. So the question is, is which is the truth? What is it that I should do? How is it that I should live? Right? 
Is it that I am living to believe in Christ and to believe in his words even though they might not be popular? For instance, the, the idea of forgiving our enemies, right? It's a very difficult. It's very difficult to do so. And maybe in society, it's, it's, it's not at all even accepted or thinking that that should even be done. Taking revenge on your enemies is much more popular than trying to forgive your enemies. But what do we believe is the truth, right? Salvation. How does salvation come? Does salvation come from the Lord? Or does salvation come from good works? You know, oftentimes we hear, what about people who are living in such and such a place? They're very good people, right? What, what, what is their status of salvation? Well, the bottom line is I don't know. But when we say that they're very good people, what we are thinking is that salvation is by works. Is it because we are very good that we have salvation? We hear even in the church, do we believe that we have salvation because we are very good? Or do we believe we have salvation because the Lord died for us and shed his blood for our sins, right? We don't believe that salvation is by good works, right? So if you have someone who um, is living a good life and yet does not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, what can we say about such a person? Can we say that person has salvation? Actually, Christ is the only truth. Christ is the only source of truth and teaching and salvation. The next thing that we learn from this man is that he took responsibility. Because when he went to the Lord, he said, what shall I do? What shall I do? He was prepared to take action. Again, in the end, the thing the Lord asked him to do was very difficult for him to do. But he was prepared to take action. He wanted to know what is it that he should do. Not just what he should know, but what he should do. Sometimes we believe that salvation is by knowledge, right? Like the more I know about scripture, the more I know about God, the more I know about the history of the church, the more I know about different things, then that means that I am a strong Christian because I have a lot of answers to a lot of questions, right? But the issue here is not about knowledge. The, the, the issue is about action. This man identified and knew that his actions is what was going to determine his salvation in the end because he could choose how, what is it that he could do right? He was not simply just a curious man. He wasn't just someone, you know, sometimes people come to the church, like people who are interested in the church. And, you know, they're, they're coming to the church from the perspective of, oh, wow, your church is so interesting. Um, let, me, let me learn about the history of your church. Let me learn about the theology of your church. Let me learn about all these different things. And, Next week, I'm going to go to another place and learn about them. And the next week after that, I'm going to go to another place and learn about them. And for them, the church is just something to be understood, something to be seen, something to be read about, just an interesting thing, right? Not, just, not something that I'm willing to submit myself to what the church says is necessary for salvation and to change my life, right? Am I seeking to change my life? This is what this man was coming for. Am I willing to change my life for the truth? Or is the truth for me just information and knowledge that I keep in my head? The next point is that he strived to follow the commandments of God all his life, actually. Because when the Lord, uh, at the beginning, when the man said to him, what is it that I should do? The Lord said, keep the commandments. You know, he said, you know the commandments, keep the commandments. Uh, in, in Mark 10, verse 20, teacher, this, this is his response. Teacher, all these things, which are the commandments that the Lord told him to follow, I have kept from my youth. All these things I have kept from my youth. Even though this man were, knew the commandments of God, and even though he was trying his best to follow them from his youth, and yet he still came to the Lord and said, what should I do? 
to inherit eternal life. Like he wasn't satisfied. He wasn't like the Pharisees. The Pharisees, they followed the commandments and they were very content with themselves. They were very satisfied with themselves. They, all, they felt about themselves that they were doing everything. Everything that should be done and everything that could be done, they were doing it and they were, ha they were happy with themselves and felt that they were more righteous than anyone else because they followed the commandments, right? Here, this man, even though he followed the commandments, he still felt there was something lacking. There was something missing. He wanted to hear it for himself from the Lord. What is it that I should do? Is the Lord satisfied with me? Sometimes we believe about ourselves that everything is okay in our lives, that I, I'm good. You know, I am good. I'm doing everything good. Um, I'm taking care of my family. I'm praying. I'm going to church. Really, what is it the Lord would say if we were to ask the Lord? And we go to the Lord and we say, what is it that the Lord, what is it that you have to say about my life, about my thoughts, about my actions? What is it that you have to say? This is why we should always be filled with a spirit of humility. If you look in the, 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 the saints of the church, right? If you want to identify people who are truly righteous, right, in the church, you can look to the saints, right? The saints that sacrificed everything, that gave up everything to go and live in the wilderness. And if you look at their lives, one of the characteristics of these saints is they never felt that they were righteous in themselves. When they looked at themselves, they found and they realized and they felt truly and sincerely that they are sinners. Because they never, they never congratulated themselves for anything good that they had done, even if they were actually more righteous than anyone. They never congratulated themselves or said about themselves that they are good. Instead, they always said, well, no, I am lacking. I am lacking. Maybe by the grace of God, God is covering me. Maybe by the grace of God, He is shielding me and He is strengthening me and He is filling me with love and with joy and with peace, right? But that is something coming from Him. But I am still lacking. I still know my sins. I still know my weaknesses. Um, King Josiah, who was one of the, the kings of the Old Testament, actually, he was a young child. During this time of King Josiah, uh, the commandments of God, the law of Moses, had been lost. Like, people did not know at that time. They didn't remember this generation. They didn't remember God's commandments. They didn't know it, right? And so everybody was living the best that they could, believing that they were obeying God, that they were fulfilling the commandments of God, but they didn't really know what God was asking of them. They were just kind of living their life. Then the high priest, his name was Hilkiah, at the time, he discovered the book of the law. Right? He discovered the book of the law in the temple. So they began to read it. Right? They began to read, this is the commandments of God, the things that God had told them to do. And in that moment, they realized that they were not practicing the things that God had asked them to do. And Josiah was so sorrowful that he tore his clothes when he realized that he was not living according to God's command. And then Josiah commanded, because now understanding the law of God, he commanded that all of the places of idol worship would be destroyed. He commanded that, that everyone would begin to obey this law that they had discovered, right? Because he wanted to obey. What was lacking in him is that he didn't know, right? But once he knew, he chose to follow and he felt convicted in and of himself, right? It's important for us to read the word of God to understand it, and then to seek to live it the way that King Josiah did. The next point that we can learn from the life of the rich young ruler is that he took the, the words of Christ very seriously. Um, Christ said what? One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give it to the poor, 
and you will have treasure in heaven, and come take up the cross and follow me. This is ultimately what the Lord answered this man that he ultimately could not do. But this is what he said. He took these words very much to heart. When the Lord told him this, he believed that what the Lord said was true. Even though it was difficult, right? Obviously, it's very difficult. And by the way, this is not a general command for everyone. It's not like God is asking all of us to do this, right? This was a command specifically for this man because God knew that this was necessary for him and this is what he was called for. But he took these words seriously. He didn't just dismiss them. You know, sometimes we might read the word of God and we just dismiss certain things. Like there are certain things that we just feel, nah, I don't really want to live according to this. This thing is difficult to, to do. Oh, this thing is, um, you know, uh, something that only applied a long time ago to people who lived a long time ago, not really applies to me today. And we kind of make exceptions. We like carve out exceptions and, 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 and things for ourselves. We make excuses for ourselves why I choose to live a certain way. And we kind of don't take it very seriously sometimes, you know. Here, this man, the words of Christ, he took them so seriously. He didn't take them lightly. You know, how often do we listen to a sermon and instead of trying to apply the sermon to ourselves, you know, we try to apply the sermon to somebody else. And we say, you know what, I wish this other person were here to listen to this sermon because it's exactly what they need to hear. That what about myself? Maybe I need to hear. Maybe I am not living according to what the sermon is saying and I need to focus on it. So when we read the words of God, when we listen to a sermon, when we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to us, we need to be very attentive to it and apply it to ourselves and ask ourselves the question, am I living according to the law of God? Am I living according to what God has commanded? And do like Josiah did, and to feel sorrow and regret and confess my sins when I am not living according to it? Or do I take it all very lightly and I kind of just say, well, you know what, God is so merciful, so I really don't have to make an effort, right? The last point I want to mention about this man is that he was sorrowful when he could not obey. In the end, we know he did not obey what Christ said, but he did not... He did not like um, deride or insult the Lord. He did not mock what it is that he heard. He truly believed that what the Lord said was right, which is why he was sorrowful about himself, that he could not follow what the Lord said. It says in verse 22, But he was sad at this word, and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Right? He could not, he could not do it. He could not get himself to do it. But this, he didn't just dismiss it. He didn't just take it lightly. He was sad. He walked away sad and sorrowful. So one thing we can learn from this is that even when we fail, and even when we make mistakes, and even when we can't live up to what the Lord is calling us for, uh, the response we should have is repentance. The response we should have is taking seriously that this is a failure that I have done and asking God to forgive me. We don't know in the end what happened to this man after this point in time. We don't know how the direction that his life went or what happened to him. Did he eventually give up all that he has? In what way did he follow the Lord? Did he come back to meet the Lord ever again? You know, um, but we can learn all of these positive things from him. It's easy to condemn him, right? It's easy actually to condemn any person from the Bible that makes a mistake. But imagine ourselves as though we were characters in the Bible. Imagine that someone was going to write a story about our life 
and, and go through every detail and everything that we have done, all the decisions that we have made, even those decisions that we make when we're under a lot of stress and we don't know what is right and wrong, what exactly would be said about us? Right? It's easy for us to point fingers at others, at someone like this, and say, this person chose the wrong thing. But he also did a lot of right things, you know? And, and there's a lot that we can learn from him. In, in Mark 10, 29, it says, So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the Gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time and in the age to come eternal life. Right? All the rewards that God is going to give, okay, he's going to give us who are even making an effort. Anything that we can sacrifice for the Lord, even the time that we sacrifice for him, that God is going to reward us a hundredfold for these things. Right? So whatever it is that we can do, in whatever way that we can serve the Lord, whatever way we can, we can draw closer to him. So we pray that God has mercy on us and to help us to learn even from the example of the rich young ruler and all the positive things that he did and that we would be able to follow the Lord and trust in him. And if the Lord asks me to give up certain things, that we would be able to follow through to do it and to live with him for eternity and glory be to God forever. Amen.